Hi, Donna's Intermittent Fasting Group peeps. <laughs> I'm Donna Reesh, and I'm here today with broadcast number 43, Should I Continue Fasting Without Much Weight Loss Recently, or When Weight Loss Has Slowed Down. Um, I actually was recently asked this by some one of my course graduates and um, after the fact, and I was going to prepare some things for her, and I often send uh, voice messages to people to try to answer their questions and things, and it just dawned on me that my husband and I haven't lost pounds for a while, and maybe there are a lot of other people who've been fasting for several months or a year or whatever, and they feel like, okay, I'm not really losing pounds. The scale isn't showing a difference. So should I continue with this? Should I do something else? And so um, part of the reason for this episode is to take you back a little bit, take you back where you came from, <laughs> and just take a look at what we used to do and see how that made us feel and where we were, how, what our progress was with that, and what we were doing then. So anyway, first of all, our journey, um, 16 months for me, and that's 25 pounds and 18 to go, which doesn't sound like a ton of weight, um, but it is um, from a 14 to a 10. So I'm elated because I wanted to be a 10 for a really, really, really long time. And now some of my 10s are really loose, and my I have my gold pants on the door for a size 8. So that's super exciting to me. Um, single digits uh, going on 60, so I'll be excited when that happens. And that won't be long because um, I, can lie on the bed. I can lie on the bed and fasten them. I can breathe when I stand up. So that's one step closer, right? Right. And for my husband, 75 pounds in 14 months and 25 to go. And he has gone from a 48 to a 38. Um, so from a 2X uh, shirt to uh, a large. And he is over the moon excited, as I am as well, because um, it's not just a number. It's also just what that number means. 75 pounds gone, you know, the whole three pounds or four pounds. Uh, per pound is an amount of pressure that you alleviate on your knees. So, you know, 75 times four, that's 150 times two, and that's 300. I mean, that's, yeah, 300 pounds of pressure relief from his knees. And he did have really bad knees. And we were actually, if you've heard my testimony or his testimony that I gave, you probably have heard that that's actually what led him to join me in fasting was our dance. Um, our dance came to a screeching halt. So uh, with his knee pain. Uh, so we've only had inch loss for about three months now. And that is why when this gal asked me this and her question was, okay, I lost really well during the course, during the first month as I was learning to intermittent fast and so forth, but I have been losing now. Should I, you know, I'm just thinking about quitting, you know, what should I do? So um, I guess this could also be aptly titled uh, why we will always practice some form of IF. I think about senior citizens, you know, because we're nearing 60, and um, and I think about, you know, well, what what would be best for an 80-year-old? What would be best for an 85-year-old? You know, think about these things when you're almost 60. And so that's why I said some form of intermittent fasting, whether it's, you know, like 16-8, like we sometimes do on the weekends with TUMAD, um, you know, whatever is healthy for us is what I believe that we will always do. So it could be titled why we will always practice some form of intermittent fasting. And I say, I said at the beginning that I want to take you back because when it comes to weight and size, those, those two things, especially because those are the big things we can overlook a lot of things, right? If we are losing weight, if we are going down in inches more so, I think, unfortunately with the scale, as opposed to just with, inches in size, which is kind of um, really unfortunate. I did a broadcast. I'll put it in the show notes. I did a broadcast about four metrics to use for weight and size and so forth. Um, scale, um, body fat, inches, inches, inches. Yeah. And then, a, and then your, your goal clothing, you know, like I've, talked on here before how I've always had an, the next size pair of um, jeans or pants hanging on my bathroom door. And um, in the 14 months that I have been doing this, I have gone down, oh man, I've gone through at least five different pairs of pants 
that weren't that when I put them up there, I couldn't even really fasten them lying on the bed. So, you know, that's, that's pretty compelling. Um, but what we have a tendency to focus on is the scale because we've always been, you know, it's, it is weight loss, right? A diet is for weight loss. And so we always think about losing weight. How much weight have you lost? How close are to you your goal weight and those kind of things. So my question around that topic of weight and size victories is, what was happening before intermittent fasting. And um, this is a real deal breaker for me as far as staying on, even if, what if I get down to a size eight? What if I get down to a size six and I still am 18 pounds overweight? You know, will that even matter to me? You know, if I look a certain way, will that even make a difference to me? But this is it though. Because what were you, what was I doing prior to intermittent fasting? For me, it was always trying some form of dieting. Um, it was never keeping the weight off. Uh, I've had lost 100 pounds another time. I'm eight pounds away from losing 100 pounds now over a long period of time. Um, so, but another time I lost 100 pounds. I've lost 40 a couple of times. I've lost 50 and I've had many 20 pound losses, but I never in any of those instances, except for one of the forties in the last several years, been able to keep it off. And that was what I was doing before IF. I was losing 20. I was losing 40. Once I lost a hundred and I wasn't keeping it off. Um, I was struggling between perfection or near perfection and guilt. It was always either one or the other. It was either near perfection, perfection, you know, following the protocol exactly, or extreme guilt for what I was, for when I wasn't. It was like there was nothing in between. There was no happy medium, which is so nice with intermittent fasting because you just have that. This is just okay. I don't mind this. I can do this. Um, and I've never been able to lose and then keep any weight off after that while still enjoying typical foods, all macros, right? I was always either doing something, you know, really strict with macros, either like trying keto, trying low carb, low fat, 30 grams, 30 fat grams a day. I was always doing some uh, protocol that caused me to like delete a macronutrient out of my life, right? Macronutrients being fat, carbs, and proteins. Because that's one way that diets bring in the boundaries for us and cause us to eat fewer calories is by eliminating things, right? Either fat or eliminating carbs or eliminating, you know, dessert or eliminating sugar, or eliminating flour, whatever it might be, uh, usually some combination of that. And uh, no severe restriction. I've never been at the point where I lost and then I just even though I haven't lost pounds for the last couple of months, then after that, I just kept right on maintaining that without something like that going on. So my first question would be, what was happening to you before intermittent fasting? Were you, if you're at a standstill right now, if you've lost, but you're not losing anymore, but you're, and you're still, and you're still fasting, but you're wavering, what were you doing before intermittent fasting? Were you, you know, constantly in one of those states that I just described? Were you constantly frustrated? Are you frustrated now maintaining with intermittent fasting? So that's one thing. Another one under that whole weight and size victories is weight. Keeping in mind that weight is one measurement. And weight is not the measurement. This is a funny thing about weight. This is pretty perplexing, really. Because when you stop and think, weight is a number on a scale, and it matters. We need to be at a healthy weight. Weight does affect disease. It, you know, it affects arthritis. It affects how we carry ourselves. And it does affect how we look in part. But the funny thing about it is that we put so much emphasis on weight, even though we never tell anybody how much we weigh, right? Shh, top secret. And yet what people see is the visible and we could be looking better. We could be losing inches. We could be going down sizes. But yet we'd still be like, but the weight, but the weight, right? Um, I was once in this exercise group, 
where this gal weighed um, 200 pounds. And with this, in this exercise program, she never lost any weight in this exercise program. But yet she went from a 16 to a 10 in that exercise program. I mean, like size 10 jeans, you know, I'm not talking about loose, like uh, elastic waist skirts, right? So if somebody like that is wearing a 10 and looking three sizes smaller, do you think that do you think that it mattered to her that she still weighed 200? So that's a funny thing that's, that I said is perplexing is that the weight is the number that nobody sees, but how you look is what everybody sees. And you would think that that would be, you know, that if we're comparing the two and if we're worried about inches, size, how we appearance and stuff versus weight, that you would think that the appearance would be much more important. Um, but other people see, you know, our inches, our clothing, how we look in things, our strength even perhaps. They see something else besides weight. And uh, while I, I'm definitely going for a certain weight-ish, and I'm definitely going to get there. I, I'm not, I, I don't question whether I'm going to anymore. I only question when. And so that's another, I, I need to write that down in the outline. That's an amazing thing. Stop and think. I don't question anymore whether I'm going to get to my goal weight. The only question is when. Because I just keep on doing the stuff. Keep on doing the stuff. And it doesn't matter because I know eventually it's going to happen. Right. Remember the last fast shot that I did? Well, the one about 16, uh, shorter eating windows, fasting windows versus longer fasting windows. It was a fast shot last week, like the week of um, February 18th or something like that. And um, in that one, I talked about the four ways we lose weight. And only one of them is skimming calories off. We lose weight in inches with the other three, you know, appetite correction, all those kind of things. The, the, um, the attacking of the fat that makes us look different, so forth. Only one of them has to do with calorie reduction, and that is a, a skimming off the top of your calories. So if you're intermittent fasting and you are, for the rest of your life, skimming off the top of your calories and eating, always eating less than what your body needs at the current weight or eating closer to what you're going to need at your goal weight, then eventually you're going to get there, right? So while we want to achieve a healthy weight, that's actually not the first thing and might even be one of the last things that I look at when I am considering staying on or going off of intermittent fasting. So stay with me here. So like I said, I'm eight pounds away from 100-pound weight loss over the past dozen years, and I have never, ever consistently kept off my 40 and then my 20 and then my 20 more like I have with intermittent fasting. And yet, it's been the least restrictive and the least difficult and the most enjoyable of anything I've ever done. But yet, it's the first time I've ever, with this least restrictive, least difficult, most enjoyable approach, it is the one that has been sustaining uh, my weight loss. So um, that's, that's big. It's big because of my favorite word which is not just in weight, not just in fasting, not just in eating, not just in exercising, in parenting, here I go again, right? <laughs> in homeschooling, in your job, in your relationships, everything is about sustainability. So that's another reason why I will never veer from intermittent fasting. Okay, size-wise. Size-wise, my size is definitely greatly affected by the fact that I have picked up strength training, a toning slash strength training. I picked it up in November. Prior to November, I was doing a lot of aqua exercises, which were a lot of fun. And um, But now that I'm on the ground and I'm not in the water anymore, I am using um, resistance to build muscle and to lose inches. So now we have this whole, which came first, the chicken or the egg, right? Hmm. So which came first? The strength training caused me to lose inches, which caused me to stay on intermittent fasting and strength training. Or intermittent fasting gave me the courage, the persistence, the sustainability, the consistency to train. 
see where I'm going with this? I don't know. All I know is I've never done this before either. Okay, so we're seeing a trend here of things that I was unable to do prior to intermittent fasting. I never wore as small of a size as I do right now, except for that other time that I lost 100 pounds. And then I only wore that size for, well, I like to say a month, but it was actually closer to two weeks. Um, I got pregnant with my fifth child and um, was never so happy to ditch that 800 calorie diet in my entire life. So anyway, there you go. Never before have I felt like I could get bloating down and look better easily within 24 to 48 hours like I can do with fasting. Pants tight, fast. Puffy face, fast, right? Um, rings too tight, fast. It's, it's pretty remarkable, actually, how you can uh, get rid of the water, get rid of the inflammation simply by not taking in anything. And if you've heard many of my other broadcasts, you know that different foods hold on to water. Carbohydrates hold on to three grams for every gram of carb. That doesn't make them bad. That just means that when you're about to do a photo shoot, you don't eat carbs. <laughs> That's all that means because carbs actually can help you lose weight because they have fewer calories in them. But anyway, size. Never been motivated enough to keep up strength training. Never wore as small of a size as I do now. And never felt like I could get immediate relief from like inflammatory types of things um, that quickly anyway. All right, appetite correction. This is huge because I never want to go back to feeling completely out of control. Now, most of you know that I started on plant-based supplementation about three years ago. And that balanced my blood sugars and did some remarkable things for me. But that now combined with intermittent fasting, I never want to go back to food completely 100% controlling me. As a matter of fact, we go out to eat two days in a row. My husband and I look at each other and say, this is horrible. I, I don't like this. I don't like how this feels. I mean, who are we and what have you done with Ray Baby and Dancing Donna? You know, it's like, how in the world did that ever happen? So it happened through these mechanisms that are hard to do in other ways. So let me explain. Taming ghrelin is the first one. Ghrelin is the hunger hormone. Um, it's released from the stomach. So it's whether the stomach has anything in it or not. It's different than other ones that are released by the hypothalamus in the brain. Um, and ghrelin tells us that we're hungry. So we say the growling, ghrelin gremlins. If you've been in my course, you know what I'm talking about. I got a little guy. He's, he's actually looks kind of harmless. But ghrelin is not really harmless. <laughs> so anyway, it's a hunger horn and it tells us when we are hungry. I have never truly felt like I could control this hunger hormone prior to intermittent fasting. Um, I was hungry between meals and I was especially hungry before bed. Now, I've never been a morning kind of hunger person, but definitely in the evenings I would be hungry. And now I know what my sweet spot is for fasting. I know when to end my fast so that I'm not hungry before I fall asleep. I know when I wake up, ghrelin is lowest again, so I'm not going to be hungry in the morning. It's amazing. Isn't that so cool? Who, who can do that? How can you do that with your body? How can you make that happen for yourself? I've never been able to before. I've never found any other way to do it. Um, it has led me to control my hunger rather than my hunger controlling me. That is a huge thing that I never want to let go of. And that's another reason why I will always practice some form of intermittent fasting. Okay, the next one is leptin. And leptin is, um, is released from the fat cells and then goes up to the hypothalamus. So it tells the brain, okay? And the strange thing about leptin, well, both of these are pretty new. Like ghrelin is, um, I think, 30 years old and leptin is only 20. So it, they haven't been around that much. So people haven't, so they didn't know that much about them. The broadcast, the broadcast that was supposed to be today is all about leptin. But... I squeeze this one in and I'll come back to leptin. It's actually two parts. So anyway, it's called advanced appetite correction and it's about leptin as well as the brain. So pardon me, I'm going to sneeze. <coughs> Sorry about that. Okay. So leptin is a satiety hormone and 
The funny thing about leptin, it's not funny actually at all. The strange thing about leptin is that people with excess body weight should be signaled by leptin to stop eating. So leptin feels the body, the extra pounds, the extra body weight, and then tells the brain, this body doesn't need anything else. <laughs> all right. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, you think? And, um, but people with leptin resistance, that is, we resist the leptin signals. We don't mean to. It's not our fault. We resist the leptin signals, um, which are most overweight people. They do not hear leptin signals. So, um, you know, I, I was leptin resistant. I mean, we all were probably at one time. That's why we didn't hear the signals and we didn't listen to them and we just kept right on eating, even though our body just, I mean, I know that people don't always like to talk about calories, but if we had a large body and we had a woman and we had a 2000 calorie need, this is why we never stopped at 2000 calories because leptin would be telling us this body is, you know, 200 pounds and it's 2000 calories, isn't active at all, doesn't move around, stop eating. And yet we wouldn't hear it. So, um, which is really weird because we're the ones who need to hear it the most, right? But we didn't hear it. And so it's not like we are short on leptin. We just don't hear leptin. They already tried all these ways to give leptin injections and all these kind of things, and um, they didn't work. So because they could inject all they want, but if you don't hear it, you're, you're not going to respond. doesn't matter. Your body is, if you're very overweight, like the weight that I was 92 pounds ago, I probably had all kinds of leptin being released, but I just didn't hear it because at that weight, I would have been, you know, my body would have been, my brain would have been trying to tell me to stop all the time. All right. So through intermittent fasting and the things I have learned and the things that I teach you um, with water, fiber, real foods, not drinking calories, exercising, eating in a small eating window, all of those things, I can hear leptin for the first time in my life that I can ever remember. And also leptin sensitivity also causes us to move more willingly. And prior to intermittent fasting, I never wanted to move consistently before. It was always major, major drudgery. And I always did all the tricks because you know I was an efficiency expert of sorts. So I always did all the tricks, the charts, the paying myself, the um, accountability partner, the um, rewards, but it didn't matter how long I exercised. I still didn't like it every day. And now I don't dread it at all. I am hearing my leptin signals to stop eating. That's how I'm re retaining, that's how I'm um, maintaining my weight and continuing to lose over the, a period of time. And I'm hearing my leptin signals that this body needs moved in order to move out some of the pounds. And I'm doing that for the first time and it's happening through intermittent fasting. Now, the reason I bring this up specifically is that the other way that we can fix leptin resistance includes diet and exercise. This is so messed up. The way we can hear leptin signals is through diet and exercise. So, we're not hearing leptin signals, which causes us to eat more. We don't hear leptin telling us to move more. And we can solve this problem by eating less and moving more. <laughs> I listened to this leptin presentation a few days ago. And the guy literally, and, and I love this guy. He's really great. I don't fault him. But it was just so obvious when he said, you know, these are, he said some things similarly to how I did. I get a little bit crazier, I guess. Um, but he was talking about, you know, leptin, not hearing the signals, da, 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 da. And then at the end, he said, so if you want to fix your leptin problem, you need to lose weight and exercise. <sighs> and I was like. Oh, my word. Talk about the most discouraging. He's not usually discouraging, but talk about, I don't like to talk about other YouTubers, like they're bad YouTubers. But when he said that, because he's not, but when he said that, it was like, 
I am not going to go on my channel or in my Facebook group and tell people that the way you fix leptin is through dieting and exercising. Now, he is uh, also teaches intermittent fasting, and he's fantastic, so he has that to teach as well. But my point is, the other ways of fixing leptin include strict dieting and developing exercise habits. But with intermittent fasting, we can do nothing and solve it and fix it. That to me, I want to stay where I am. I'm not perfect, but I want to stay where I am with ghrelin and leptin. Those are the two primary hormones or many hormones included in uh, and also just chemicals released in brain in your brain like dopamine and serotonin and things. But I want to stay where I am with appetite correction in terms of ghrelin and leptin. I want to stay where I am without having to do anything drastic. I want to stay where I am, and I can do that through intermittent fasting. It's another reason why we always will. All right, other food controls. Now, um, I talked a lot on here about how I'm doing reading and listening to and studying the hungry brain, which I think is so fascinating, and I'm so excited about it because uh, my first year of teaching intermittent fasting, I have taught all about the hormones. If you're in my course and you know that you learn about human growth hormone, you learn about steroids, you learn about um, ghrelin, you learn about leptin, uh, insulin, all the hormones. And I teach that in all the broadcasts too. Um, but now with Hungry Brain, I'm also learning another aspect of uh, food control and weight management and so forth. And that is, not only do we have all these hormones doing all these things I've been describing here today and in the course and things, but we also have these brain signals. And we can also train those. Isn't that so cool? So the bottom line is that we can do a lot of things to help train these things and to help change our responses to food, our responses to cravings, our responses to overeating our responses to lack of movement. And we can do that through intermittent fasting. And then once we get better at intermittent fasting, we get better at other things too. But I just think it's so cool that something that is so simple compared to all the other things that are so hard, which I'm not saying fasting is simple. I'm not saying if you're having struggles with it, you know, that you're lame, okay? Because it's not simple, especially to start. But once you are... But compared to lifelong restrictions, fasting is pretty easy. All right, so other food controls. Overall, bad news here, but we all know it. Overall, most of us need to eat 30% less than we do. This is for longevity, for weight management, for disease prevention, and more. You know, I talk about research, and yes, I am doing the broadcast about research. I keep putting that out and putting that out. Oh, my word, I have so much interesting information. Um, and that research is really, really important because we have to be able to discern what we're hearing. But you know how I talk about research and how, you know, this was a small study or this was, um, you know, not a meta-analysis or this one only gave this premise but then gave this answer and they don't match and all those things that I allude to that I'm going to teach about totally in a com upcoming broadcast. But the one thing, well, there are actually a couple things. One thing is sleep. That's really cool that everybody who's anybody in the scientific community agrees about sleep. So go back and watch 41 and 42. I think those are in there. Okay. But another thing that across the board is agreed upon for health, longevity, disease prevention, uh, warding off Alzheimer's, warding off different kinds of uh, cancers and things like that is that of eating 30% less. We just got to take it back because as a people, humankind, with the availability of food like we have, with um, convenience foods and uh, processed foods and the um, seductiveness of them, that's another good book, Salt, Sugar, Fat. It's really interesting. A little bit 
I'm not a real conspiracy theorist, but I think we could still learn from a lot of these things that are some of these that are conspiracy theorists. That's why I love The Hungry Brain. It's not a conspiracy theorist book. It's science. I really enjoy it. Um, but we all need to eat 30 percent without at less without appetite correction. This is really, really hard to do without the boundaries of time. It's so hard. We think that we're going to diet or we're going to not eat this or going to not eat that, but without appetite correction, without the boundaries of time, without blood sugar balancing, without uh, the control of overeating in general and calorie-dense foods, we grab a bite of this, we take these cookies to bed, we pull out this chip bag at 9 p.m., we eat a bag or donut on the way to work, and suddenly we are eating more than uh, the weight that we should be needs. Right, not the weight that we are, because if we're overweight, that's not really what we need. We need what the weight is that we want to be, or what we, that we should be. That's the amount of food that we need. So, food controls and intermittent fasting are so black and white, right? So doable, and eventually pay off in weight loss, and especially recompositioning of our bodies. If we aren't fasting, the caloric load will increase greatly without superhuman power, willpower that we know will not last for a long time. Because without intermittent fasting, the boundaries of intermittent fasting without appetite correction and other things that I teach here and I'm teaching and I'm learning, uh, we can't sustain that willpower forever and ever. But intermittent fasting, the food controls there are brought in tighter, but yet not unsustainable. My favorite word again, sustainable. All right, next is food freedom. While we use appetite correction, time boundaries, and ways to get in our fruits, veggies, fibrous foods, proteins, etc., the food freedom has been phenomenal for us. Without counting, but just adopting an 80-20 protocol, 80% of the time, fruits, veggies, fibrous foods, protein, real foods, and 20%, what I like to call riche party foods. You remember, we do have 13 kids and kids in love. Yeah, we're getting ready to get our fifth grandchild in a couple months. Um, we've been able to lose between one and six pounds a month for a long time, right? Not just a few months. And we've been able to go down in clothing sizes and in inches and feel amazingly, very amazing, very consistently. So my question is, what other protocol for those who think, well, I haven't lost very much. I may as well do something else. Okay, so ask yourself, what other protocol can we follow that allots, allots for 20% partying, no counting, and consistent weight and inch loss sustaining? My problem used to be that when I wanted party foods, I couldn't stop on them. But now with intermittent fasting, I have these black and white boundaries in place. And then I have ghrelin and I have uh, leptin, and those are trained. And then I'm working on my brain things by not eating such seductive foods whenever I am eating my 20, my 80% of healthier foods. And so now I can have the 20% party foods without any problems. I just go right back to my 80% healthier foods. That has never happened to me before. A huge part of the food freedom simply comes from condensing all of your calories into a small eating window. And I know some intermittent fasters don't like to use the word calories, but condensing all your food, condensing everything you eat, all right? Calories is uh, the foundation of what our bodies run on, and then everything else is in addition to that, right? Our metabolism boosters, our sleep, our water, our uh, fibrous foods, all of these things are just additions and helps. Uh, to what our bodies need. So let me use an 1,800-calorie example for you because that is divisible by six very easily. You know that I am language lady, not mathematical mama. So when you eat 1,800 calories over six eating periods, so let's say it's breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, dinner, snack, okay? And um, this wouldn't be the least uh, bit unusual, actually. The research out there shows that we, that many people eat eight to 12 times a day when they count cream and sugar in their coffee and all their, uh, you know, all the kind of special drinks and, and then bites of kids' food and, and food while you're cooking. And uh, without intermittent fasting, you probably wouldn't even realize how much 
use to just grab foods. That's one thing I, I will come home from someplace and it'll be nine o'clock and we'll just come back to bed and I'll tell my husband, boy, am I ever glad we're fasting. So I would just grab a package of M&Ms out of the treat box. I mean, I, I would have always done that, but now I don't, right? So a big portion of the food freedom simply comes from condensing all the calories into a small eating window. So you take the 1800 calories, you divide it over six eating periods and you have 300 calories at a time. So think, all Weight Watchers foods, um, nothing against that. I'm just trying to get you to think of the small, 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 you know, we're talking, you know, boiled egg and cottage cheese and half of an apple or something, okay? 300 calories is not very much. Or all like vegan foods. So, you know, no meats, fatty meats and things like that because that brings you up too high in your um, in your calories. But when you eat OMAD, When you eat 1,800 calories over OMAD-3, that's something more like a 400-calorie snack, a 1,200-calorie meal, and a 400-calorie dessert. Not that I divide it exactly like that, but you can just see how your calories go a lot further than they do if you're dividing it among six eating times. This allows you to go out to eat, eat celebratory meals, etc., that you cannot do with a 300-calorie per eating time approach. Or even at 2MAD, which I think is... Um, probably where my husband and I will settle in our old age. And even with uh, too mad someday, not now, I'm young. But even at, with too mad, you have two 900 calorie meals. So you can see how that would be. Yeah, that's not bad. You know, you can't go out fast food every day, right? Because they don't have very many 900 calorie fast food meals. But you don't want to anyway because you want to make ghrelin and leptin your friends and you want to feel good and you want to fill your stomach up with fiber and uh, liquidy foods and all kinds of things to help you. All right, there are other freedoms that I'm not going to get into here uh, that I talk about in the free webinar. Um, Time, money, energy spent on food preps and trash. And then there are just so many other uh, benefits that... I'm going over my time again, but um, every week, every broadcast I say I'm going to get down to my time. But um, other benefits, metabolism booster up to 14%. Uh, You can have an up to 14% boost in your metabolism through fasting. Uh, less uh, Less desires to eat unhealthy foods. The bottom line is, and those of you who have another fashion I'm getting ready to do is what to do when you feel like you can't stop eating when you open your eating window. Okay, I've got some tips for you for that. But you know, those of you who are having those problems, it's the same problem anytime we eat. And that is that the more frequently you eat, the more you want to eat. So that causes blood sugar spikes. You want more and more. It causes dopamine spikes. I really want to do this over and over again um, kind of thing. So um, uh, a Definite benefit is just a less desire to eat unhealthy foods. A sense of control that you can't get striving on severe restrictions. I never felt, you know, some people are like keto or vegan or something like that. And they they just talk like they are completely in control. You know, like this is this is the coolest thing I've ever done and I'm just in such control. Now, unfortunately, many times you see them two or three years later and they're off that program and so forth. That's not the case all the time, but that does happen. But I can't say that I ever felt that way, no matter what. No, I remember feeling a little bit invincible when I was eating 800 calories a day and I lost that 100 pounds. But I also remember feeling like I can't do this forever. I know I can't do this forever. That's a terrible feeling. Um, and another benefit is natural calorie control. Another benefit is the option, if you want to, to eat all macros. I feel like this is super important for general health. Uh, the best thing that's ha- ever happened to me was going, was not striving for keto anymore and being able to eat um, fruits. I eat apples every day, oranges. I mean, just I feel so much better uh, having all my macros. Uh, fat burning, so inch loss often precedes weight loss. That's another huge benefit. Simple, that you don't plan your life around food. Uh, another benefit is that it's more similar to how we were created to eat. So this is like not food available in the refrigerator and the gas station every two to three hours. It's more similar to how um, like hunter-gatherers eat, like even hunter-gatherers now in 
the uttermost parts of the world. Um, when you control one of the hardest areas of life to control, that is food. That control spills over into other areas, housekeeping, job, working out, eating what your body wants and needs, and so forth. And I haven't even touched on the disease prevention and the brain health. You can get disease prevention and you can get brain health through eating 30% less. You can get it through um, eating all real foods and eating at your caloric level that you need for your new weight. But intermittent fasting provides these things through fasting, which is so cool. That's where that we can still do the 20% of the reach partying, right? Um, and, and still have the benefits of disease prevention, uh, cognitive function, and so forth. So that is why, in a nutshell, um, I think we will all, I know we will always do some form of intermittent fasting because I never want to go back. And so I, my question to anybody who is, you know, you know, you're not losing the weight or whatever, is do you have the non-scale victories? Do you have the, um, the food, do you feel like you have any of these things that I've described today? Do you feel like you have more food control? Do you feel like you have built-in boundaries? Do you feel like you have changes in your recomp in the composition of your body? Do you feel like um, you are controlling hunger more than hunger controls you? Do you feel like you are enjoying your life more with the food freedoms that we get from condensing all of our food into an eating window? And if your answers to all any of these things, there are many, many more things that I talked about today too, but if your answers are yes to some of these things, then ask yourself if you want to go back. I mean, you could. You could stop fasting tomorrow and do something really strict and maybe take off weight faster or whatever, but then you have to ask yourself my other question, which you know is, is that sustainable? So this is what I leave you with today, that... For these reasons, we will always practice some form of intermittent fasting. And I have never been happier with the place I am with food in my entire life as I am right now through intermittent fasting. So thank you for joining me for episode number 43, Should I Continue Fasting Without Much Recent Weight Loss? You can stay on and learn today. I'm going to talk again about both of the Plexus Slims. So if you want to hear the word from our sponsors, I always put it at the end so that you can hop off if you don't want to stay on rather than in the middle of the, the broadcast where you have to um, hear it even if you don't want to. Not that that's a bad thing if people do that, but I just put it at the end so you can hop off. But if you want to stay on, I'm going to be talking about our two Plexus Slims, our Hunger Control Appetite Correction one and our um, uh, Gut Health one. So here we go. Uh, I am an ambassador for Plexus Slim and Plexus Products, which uh, Plexus is a plant-based natural supplement uh, company that makes all natural supplements, multi-ingredient supplements. So we only have about 20 or 22 different supplements, but all of them have, um, all of them have multiple ingredients in them. So it doesn't take as many products to get the job done. So for example, our first probiotic, ProBio5, has um, probiotic uh, digestive enzymes and antifungals. So it has three things in one product. I know many people who buy all three of those things. They buy a probiotic, they buy antifungals, and they buy digestive enzymes. With Plexus, you get multiple ingredients in one product. So today I'm going to be talking about our two slims. And the larger one is our hunger control slim. And um, see if I can get that in the picture. And our smaller one is our XOS, which is our prebiotic. So I'm going to talk about them in general, because first of all, because both slims have the exact same ingredients in them until the fibers. So they are 100% the same for the first six or eight ingredients, or eight or ten. And then the fiber that is added is different. So I'll switch then at the end and tell about those. So they come like this. They're a little package. You just put them in a water bottle, shake it up, 
and then drink it. You can put it in a store-bought water bottle. You don't have to have a mixer or a blender or anything. It's like Crystal Light. I hesitate to say that because it's really not like Crystal Light because um, it is sweetened with stevia, uh, the stevia leaf. So it's not um, got artificial sweeteners. All right, so the ingredients in this are chromium, uh, which it takes like 20 servings of broccoli to get the chromium that is in Plexa Slim. And we are, you can look, you can Google that. We are extremely deficient in chromium, and that's one reason why we have such bad cravings. Um, green coffee bean extract. This is the equivalent of one cup of decaf coffee um, as far as the, caf the caffeine level. Um, and green coffee bean extract. I mentioned this in other episodes. I don't drink coffee or tea, so I drink my Slim, and I take my um, Metaburn. Which has, uh, which does have caffeine in it, and that's where I get my um, uh, coffee and tea fixes without having to drink things I don't like. <laughs> um, it also has alpha lipoic acid. It has um, Garcinia cambogia, which is a hot kind of commodity. There, you can buy that separately, of course. Garcinia cambogia uh, for fat fighting. It has mulberry fruit extract, the stevia leaf, and both of them are colored with uh, the beet root. I bet you can't taste it. Trust me, I don't eat beets. All right. So first of all, the benefits of the XOS. That's the smaller one. It's more uh, uh, similar to our original one. And this has all those ingredients I just described. And then the other fiber is uh, a prebiotic. So prebiotics, pre means before, pro means for. So prebiotic um, goes in and feeds the good bacteria in your gut. So it's going to help the good bacteria to flourish. And um, it uh, has been clinically demonstrated to improve gut health and weight loss. Because as you get your gut healthy, your cravings are reduced, your brain fog is reduced, your... Um, Candida yeast overgrowth is, is uh, reduced, and um, then you can lose weight more easily, and you also crave less. As you get your gut healthy, you uh, absorb more nutrients and so forth, and you move things through in a healthy way also. This feeds your gut with beneficial prebiotics. Uh, you can look up also, I got this in the notes, you can look up Acromantia rats. Uh, and in Google Images, and you can see the rats that had acromancia and the ones that did not, and the differences in their sizes. Uh, this prebiotic increases acromancia so that hunger is reduced and metabolism is boosted. Uh, it supports healthy glucose metabolism. It was originally made for type 2 diabetes, diabetics, and it tastes great. Um, no artificial sweeteners, flavors, or colors, and this particular one is raspberry lemon watermelon flavor. All right, now then, the uh, benefits of the hunger control formula. So the difference is the hunger control formula is this bigger one, and it has all the same ingredients that I just described, and it also supports a healthy glucose metabolism. It also tastes great. It also has no artificial sweeteners, flavors, or colors, uh, but the fiber is different. So this has the prebiotic fiber, fiber and this one has polydextrose which is a fiber um, that fills up your stomach. And so this is where, like, um, you know, your ghrelin and even uh, the leptin signals from the top of the stomach, this is where your brain and your stomach are told that you already have food in it by filling up with fiber. And this is also, plexus aside, this is also why we want to fill up on fibrous foods. We want to eat the skin of things. We want to eat sweet potatoes, potatoes, apples, um, beans, legumes. Uh, we want to eat foods that are fibrous. Almost all cruciferous vegetables are fibrous. They're going to fill up our stomach. We're going to eat those. And that's why mama was right. Eat your salad first, right? Because leafy greens really fill up the stomach. And then you, appetite correction comes into play a lot faster when you have your stomach filled up with any kind of fiber. All right, that was free. All right, so, um, and it, this one is citrus flavored. All right, 
now, some people are asking about supplements during the fast and so forth, and there are camps all over the place. We have a tendency to come from one certain camp and think that that is the way it is, but that's not always the case. There are people over here who are drinking bulletproof coffee and so forth during the fast, and they're saying it doesn't affect them because it's fat. I would still say, why would you want to have fat during your fast instead of not having anything so that your body can do its magic? But anyway, and then there are people who say, well, coffee and tea have a couple calories in them. So those are going to, you know, cause an insulin spike. There are even people who say smelling food, going to the grocery, brushing your teeth, those will cause insulin spikes. So it's, you're, it's all over the place. So you have to determine what works for you. So I drink my Slim during my fast. I drink it on my way to exercise at 7 o'clock in the morning is when I take my first one. Uh, I've d- done it different times, but I really like the energy boost before I work out. So I take my MetaBurn and my Slim, and I go work out. Now, if this caused me to want to eat, I would save it for the eating window. I would not take it during the fast because one of the ways you can tell that your insulin has been spiked, whether you're brushing your teeth, drinking coffee, drinking tea, putting uh, cream in your coffee, putting almond milk in your coffee, drinking Plexus Slim, drinking Crystal Light, drinking Diet Dr. Pepper, whatever it might be, is that if you want to eat, that is a sign that you shouldn't have it during the fast, all right? So uh, that would be something that you decide for yourself. You can also take it 30 to 60 minutes before opening your window or before your meal. And the water mixes with the polydextrose, in here and expands in your stomach as I just described a little bit ago. Hunger is reduced and stomach capacity is shrunk. You will feel quickly, you will feel more full, you will feel quickly, you will feel full more quickly and you will not get hungry um, afterwards. It takes your hunger away. And then that hunger reduction actually asks works for hours afterwards because the fiber, all fiber, Another reason why you want to eat fibrous foods is that it is released from the body slowly, whether it's this kind of fiber or it's fiber from food or it's fiber powder that you're adding to your water so that you get your 25 to 35 grams of fiber in each day. Regardless, it goes in your stomach, it fills up your stomach, and it stays there. So another good plug for eating fruits and vegetables right? Beans, legumes, all of these fibrous kinds of foods. All right. So that is my Plexus Slim commercial. You can, some people use one of each, each day. They take this like in the morning and then they take this before they eat. So um, lots of options. Uh, We do give out free samples of Plexus Slim at the blog, DonnaReach.com. And the information is there in your outline. So thank you so much for joining me today to learn about continuing to fast, even during plateaus, even during slow weight loss times for the rest of your life. Thanks a lot. See you in the next video.